Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Ghost Spider Groupies, the podcast dedicated to Gwen Stacy of Earth-65, also known as Spider-Gwen and Ghost Spider, where we review her comics, discuss news, and give our opinions about all things Gwen-65. I'm Pax. And I'm Abigail. So, we actually have a pretty big weekend update for y'all today. Mm -hmm. After eight months of waiting for announcements, Gwen finally got another book! Go team. Go team. So it's going to be known as Spider-Gwen colon Gwenverse, a five-issue mini written by Tim Seeley with art by Jody Nishijima, and it'll be released on February 9th, 2022. So a good 11 months after Gwenum versus Carnage. Yeah. Yeah, this is... um. This is new. This is uh, this is very much. It feels very different from uh, what Maguire was doing. Like in terms of the tone they're taking with this announcement and the art we've seen of it so far, they're doing a sort of like it's like a, a an interdimensional tour of different Gwens with uh, with our girl at the center, with Gwen sixty five at the center. Um, so she's she's going around. She's is Night Gwen in there? We did we did that episode uh, about Night Gwen. There's also a Captain Gwen America, yeah. Thor Gwen, a Captain Marvel early days Gwen, a Gwen yeah. Vereen. Yeah, all kinds of Gwens in there, right? And the sort of the the idea is that the main Gwen will be Ghost Spider going around meeting these people. Um, so speak on like what we've read so far, like because obviously we wanted to see, as you know, as sort of avid Ghost Spider fans of the comics, um, we we wanted to sort of see like like a conclusion or resolution to some of the stuff that Maguire was doing. Perhaps even see Maguire return um, and do a new title. Um, this doesn't seem like that. In fact, it may be that Gwenverse sort of just doesn't do anything with that um it's entirely possible that gwenverse is sort of going to be a very fresh start for gwen uh which would i think would be a shame if they didn't use any of the older stuff uh, but at the same time i don't know if gwenverse is the best place to do all of that so yeah we'll, we'll see how it goes um on that front whether or not it will sort of maintain a good continuity with the earlier stuff but either way in some sort of sense we kind of won we kind of won i, I say we kind of won um, especially with regards to Tim Seeley as a writer is, I mean, like I don't, he's not a bad writer. He's not a bad writer by any means. He's, he's, he's written a lot of very good work, but definitely some of the stuff that's gone off with Tim Seeley recently has had, uh, you know, me cautious, um, particularly with this new Robbins book. Cause like, I mean, aside from all the sort of contest shenanigans, which went off with that and all of like the, like, you know, like all the books that didn't get made for Robbins to happen and, uh, because of the kinds of voting that we saw and from the types of people who were voting was not great um, to like get the Robbins book made over stuff like, I don't know, like JLQ and uh, sensibly like better representation and stuff. Aside from all of that, uh, I, Tim Seeley is an author. Obviously he didn't, he didn't have much control over that sort of whole situation, but, but uh, yeah, we've, we've not like the Robbins book has caused a lot of controversy and um, he, he's sort of been at the center of that recently, which is sort of where I knew the name from when I saw it and my heart sunk a little bit because, you know, obviously I really want to push this book and really want to like, you know, Spider Gwen Gwenverse, you know, go team new book for Gwen. But at the same time, I'm, I'm a little bit cautious. There, there was a particular thing which has me really worried where um, Jason Todd fans were coming out and saying, Hey, why, why is, why is Jason Todd being written this way in the Robbins book? And uh, Tim Seeley was sort of something to the effect of like continuity to him is, le is less important than 
accessibility for newer readers, which I sort of get, but but also at the same time, I don't think they're, they're mutually exclusive. And for Gwen, whose uh, continuity is is very new and fresh and needs you know a good amount of curation, I I I would be worried if we saw certain things being dropped because they might be confusing stuff like that which can happen with fresh starts like these anyway um so we'll see how it goes it's very much a monkey's paw situation yeah it depends on how well tim seeley does his homework but on the art side of things i said earlier it was a uh, jody nishijima if you wanted to check her art out she did the b story for the united states of captain america number four where she drew the filipina captain america and right now she's actually doing the Infinity comic Hulkling Wiccan, which all of its issues are actually released now. Yes. Um, how, how's her art style on that? I would like to describe her art style as very anime-esque. So for all of you who'd like to see what Ghost Spider would look like in an anime, you got Jody Nishijima for you. Nice. That's that's you, right? You're You're the person who wants to see how Ghost Spider looks in an anime, aren't you? <laughs> Yeah. Nice. Well, she definitely fits in an anime. Oh, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, no, I'm based on attitude alone. Oh, definitely, very much, yeah. She's got the she's got the internal angst for it, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh yeah, and, and is it Peach Momoko doing the designs for the characters? Mm-hmm. Like uh she's listed as the variant cover. Ah, oh, right, nice. Yeah, so it's uh like the designs of the Gwens in Gwenverse have been done separately with Peach Momoko. Yeah, because even though David Nakayama is doing the main covers for Gwenverse, yeah, Peach is going to be doing all of the... Uh, well, she's the main variant cover artist. The, the first one that she did was for classic Captain Marvel Gwen. Yeah, I see. That's um that's really cool. I am looking forward to this new mini series, but yeah, I am I'm cautious about several factors here. We'll see how it pans out. Uh yeah, and and we'll absolutely be covering it on this podcast. We will do uh we're planning for like a week within a week of the release, we'll do an episode. Yeah, in order to uh, prep for Gwenverse, we'll probably be doing an Into the Spider-Verse situation. Yes, we're really looking at our schedule here, because obviously um, we said just last episode that we were uh, going to our lower frequency of, of release on the off chance that it's like a long time before we get a new Gwen uh, comic. But um, we will be sticking to, I think, about fortnightly until then. Um, but we will be doing, instead of uh, Last Remains, thank goodness, um, an Into the Spider-Verse episode, we will review the film Into the Spider-Verse from Sony's animation studio. And uh, we'll, we'll do that. We'll do an episode around that just before Gwenverse comes out and then we'll do monthly drops uh every time a new Gwenverse issue drops and we'll get all into that we'll react to it we'll speculate we'll review we'll complain we'll praise we'll do the works um we're gonna have a we're gonna have a ride whether or not this comic is good you will have a good podcast to go with it at least but for the record we are gonna be doing last remains one day since it's gonna be inevitable but we decided to push it until we're desperate. Yes. Yeah. Was was yeah. Like our this does sort of cut short our read through of side Spider Gwen comics and Last Remains, which is definitely my least favorite of those. Uh, it was axed, but it but it's not it's not a complete chop. It's just pushed far far down the line beyond Gwenverse. It's on the shelf. On the shelf. Yeah. Um. Hopefully the shelf breaks, but it's on the <laughs> shelf. But yeah, we're we're gonna continue doing stuff like Web Warriors until then. 
we're going to be doing uh, is it clone conspiracy after web warriors as well so you know we, we've got we've got a lot of good comics to read until gwenverse comes out as well so you know uh, stick with us we're, we're there's stuff happening for gwen again we're pleased we're we're excited we're we're in we're in a we're in, it's, a, it's a new era a gwen new day a Gwen New Day. We're in a Gwen New Day, folks. And uh, what else is happening? Like, there's loads of variant covers. There's Gwen everywhere. Like they are, they are making every character blonde with a headband on dozens of covers. The, the X Gwens. The X Gwens, right? There's an Emma Frost Gwen, which is just, just Emma Frost with long blonde hair and a headband. There's like there's a Gwen for a bunch of covers. Um, we've seen the return of Greg Land uh, most egregiously on a couple of these, and he's just retraced old spider gwen variant covers but with like wolverine gwen and stuff it's uh it's it, they're not good some of them are good uh but those ones aren't uh, the, is there a peach momoko one which was pretty good but if it's not just x gwens if uh, they decide to expand to the other m heroes just watch scarlet witch be called guanda maximoff guanda maximoff we'll get guan we'll have a guanda we'll have a comic guanda that's your wish yeah kind of Great. yeah Sort of, yeah. We'll we'll have we'll have a Gwanda finally, like in the film. That's that's great. I love that. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll hopefully uh, keep uh, keep you updated with the week Gwen updates um, regarding what's going on with the character, uh, what's going on with Gwenverse, um, and uh, and how we're covering that. Uh, so yeah, that's um yeah, there's a lot a lot to get into in the first ten minutes of our podcast today. <laughs> And there's also another book releasing in the same week relating to Gwen, a reprint of Edge of Spider Verse number two. Yes, the uh, the blueprint, the the the, <laughs> the that's, that's that's a very good comic. Uh, so yeah, if you want to own that issue, you can buy it physically again. Like it's not it's not some obscure price on eBay. You don't have to spend like tens of dollars just yeah. to go get the original. Yeah, you can like order Edge of Spider-Verse number two and own it physically in your home in February 2022, which is very cool. Very, very cool because it is a very good comic and it's, uh, it's you know, it's its origin. I have zero complaints about any of the things happening in Edge of Spider-Verse number two. And th- th- yeah, that's a good, it's a good comic. It's a good comic. Like I own the original that I bought from a trade show some time ago and I feel the need to send it to CGC. Yeah, I'm jealous. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, if, if you, uh, if you want to like frame it, put it up somewhere, I think it's, uh, it's a nice, it's a nice idea. Like if my house caught on fire, it would be one of the things that I would go save first. Nice. Yeah. You get the comics, then you get the cat. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of messed up. Um, saving all your prized possessions first before alerting the rest of your family. <laughs> uh, don't worry, folks. Uh, not everybody made it, but the comics did. So it's all good. It's all good. I'm not condoning save your stuff first before your family, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't think you were before, but but now, now that you've said that... Um... <laughs> yeah um no i no i i don't condone that at all like <laughs> yeah you gotta save no. lives of course no of course we we go spider groupies do not condone uh saving your comics before your family that that was uh it's just joking unless it's really rare just joking um so yeah that's uh that our week went update yeah that's all the news that we have for today's week one update it's a pretty lengthy one to date 
Yes, that's yeah. Like, I mean, we sort of had it there to like announce a Gwen book coming out, and then it never happened. So, and plus an air horn. We have an air horn now. I think that's going to get more plays in it. Maybe if something comes along directly after Gwen verse number five, if there's a new book. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so yeah, we'll see how it goes. Because uh, I mean, obviously with the Hugos and with this book coming out, you know, anything could happen after this point, or it could be the last Gwen thing we have for a year again. So we'll see how it goes. It depends on uh, what Null decides to give us. Yes, Null, please. Grant us a Maguire Ghost Spider Run or Claim and Cloud Chapman horror miniseries Gwen book like you want. Oh yeah, the Chapman agenda. Is that what we're calling it now? The Chapman agenda is is the sort of the horror-themed ghost spider book that you want, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the Chapman agenda. Yeah. One, um, maybe, maybe one day if he's interested. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Um, so, uh, moving on, not so swiftly, to our uh, subject for today's episode, we're doing we're doing web warriors. So we sort of started it last week, didn't we? We sort of we we did the team. Uh, it was Mike Costa writing. It was uh, it's called Spiderverse Warzones, and we sort of see this team of different spiders from across the multiverse teaming up to do spiderversey things outside of you know like the big inheritor crises that happen every now and then that they get the big spider-verse books um and this team shows up in the web warriors book they are the web warriors right and gwen is a major player in them and she gets stuff to do and we're gonna we're gonna talk about the you know the book we're gonna talk about gwen in the book we're gonna talk about you know all the other stuff to do with it and uh what we think about it and and yeah we're, we're gonna get into that so this is sort of the middle of we're gonna we're doing three episodes on the web warriors so we did last week's uh actually last week last episode um we did we're doing this week and the next week is the sort of finale to all of this um so we're at the midpoint of this team they're no longer in battle world they're no longer in that weird new york they are in you know they're all back in their own realities those of them who still have them um as we find out spider uk billy braddock doesn't have his home reality anymore he he sort of lost it back in spider-verse and and he's um he's sort of running this team from loom world and they're doing lots of fun interdimensional stuff. So they're bouncing around all over the place, fighting foes, training, uh, beefing with each other, and getting along sometimes as well. Um, so yeah. But for the record, we recommend that you read this before Spider-Women. Yeah, I think with a lot of the side story stuff that was written pre-2018, read it before Spider-Women, because like none of it takes into account the status quo changes with Gwen's powers and it all sort of doesn't fit in right chronologically if if you think that it starts after Spider-Women it, there's a lot more room for like Gwen to be doing stuff off on her own pre-Spider-Women when she sort of has her own web watch and she has her powers still her default powers that is um, and yeah like they're all sort of written even the ones that were written after Spider-Women came out they're all sort of written with the pre-Spider-Women status quo in mind so we recommend Web Warriors to be sort of read before Spider-Women but of course after Spider-Verse War Zones obviously 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 I was, hence, hence the hence, yeah right I, yeah stay, I'm staying the obvious there yeah you, you guys you guys know this so yeah. uh, this this is uh, this is Web Warriors issues number one to five there's a little bit from Amazing Spider-Man number one 2015 yeah it's just a five page uh, prologue story leading into Electroverse 
Yeah, yeah, it's their first fight, their introductory one. Um, was put in the Amazing Spider-Man comic at the time. Um, we've included that here. Uh, you can find that, uh, like I said, in Amazing Spider-Man number one, 2015. It's included in the trade, these five pages as well, uh, for Web Warriors, so you can read it there. Um, so yeah, we'll uh, we'll get into that now. We'll do the synopsis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we recommend you read Web Warriors. We recommend you... You, you sort of know what you're getting into going in first, but uh, even so, we include this synopsis here for everybody to be on the same page, and uh, you know, even for those who've read it, sort of have their memories jogged as well. Um, so we'll get into that now, starting with our five pages from Amazing Spider-Man number one. The synopsis reads. In an alternate dimension, still in the year 1602, the team of supervillains known as the Sinister Sextet loot and threaten a cathedral and its worshippers. The Web Warriors, a team made up of Spider-UK, Spider-Noir, Spider-Ham, Spider-India, and Spider-Gwen, swings down from the rafters to foil them. They prove adept at dealing with these versions of their enemies from the Middle Ages and win the day, but not without Electro escaping to parts unknown during the arrest. The spiders head back to Loom World where they discuss their mission to assist the worlds who have lost their spider totems. However, the escaped Electro follows discreetly behind through the portal, his energy signature escaping into the web of life and destiny and the multiverse beyond. Now reading our main Web Warriors comic. uh, On Earth 3015, an old cartoon-like environment. The Web Warriors arrive once more, this time with Mayday Parker, Spider-Woman, and Anya Corazon, Spider-Girl, with the team. Spider-UK directs the team calling out code names for practice strategies and battle plans as they tackle this world's Sinister Six mid-heist. Gwen notes that the physics here are different. Bright flashes of light punctuate each punch like a 60s superhero TV show, and the fighting is relatively painless. Thrown into a nearby building, Gwen lands next to this Earth Spider-Man, who appears to be sitting behind a desk next to a portrait of himself, hiding from Electro, who is nowhere to be seen. The Web Warriors easily defeat this team, and Spider-UK explains that he and Khan chose this world to to run live training exercises against enemies with non-lethal threat levels. Once back on Loomworld, Mayday thanks UK for the invite to train, but with her world still needing its Spider-Woman, she didn't want to travel out for non-emergencies. Mayday invites Gwen out to get some lunch. Ham notes his lack of invite and goes off and sulks about the team's lack of cohesion and group lunches. Gwen and Mayday go to a diner on Earth 9105, where Egypt's hegemony continues to reign from ancient times now into the modern. Mayday chides Gwen for getting the Egyptian-themed junk food there. Mayday's reasoning for inviting Gwen out was to get her thoughts on the Web Warriors, to see if she shared some of the same apprehension that she had for the team. Mayday doesn't consider the threats large enough to warrant the whole team and her having to leave her Earth and family for it. Their conversation is soon interrupted by a threat large enough to warrant the whole Web Warriors team as several different Electros from across the multiverse conduct an explosive heist in a nearby pyramid running off of a large payload of silver. Gwen and Mayday swing into action but are confronted by... One huge, monstrous Electro entirely made up of energy. Back on Loomworld, Spider-Noir discusses the team with Spider-India, repairing the team's Spider-Drones. He believes that the reasoning behind the, all the drills they've been doing isn't a practical one, rather, but because Spider-UK is so lonely after the loss of his world that he needs the company, something the younger Spider had not considered after being so encompassed in his work on the Inheritor's old technology. Gwen and Mayday attempt to retreat back into Loom World, but Gwen's web watch is fried before she can make the jump. Now alone, she is soon apprehended by the gang of Electros who keep her hostage. 
Mayday tries to jump back in time to save Gwen, but is too late and is left to pick up the pieces through the silver-laden crime scene. Gwen stirs, finding herself chained up by the electrodes in a new location, Earth-182, where it's soon revealed the massive scale of the operation there. Large amounts of electrodes from across the multiverse are coordinating and navigating the web between the realities that the spiders use. The backstory of Electro 449 is shown, starting from his youth in poverty, where he resorted to thieving and crime to get enough food to eat. After an accident at a power company, he got his superpowers and became Electro. More recently, he watched Morlin kill the Spider Moon Man of his reality and sought to obtain the transdimensional capabilities of the spider hunting vampire. Inspired, Electro 449 took his ability to reproduce different electromagnetic signatures to the Doctor Octopus in that reality, who assisted in the creation of an interdimensional travel device. Electro 449 went on to travel the multiverse, causing havoc, meeting other Electros, and searching for a superheroless world he could rule. Eventually, he came across a world where he did. Sort of. Mike Dillon, Electro 1082, genius entrepreneur, used his powers to develop electric cars and spacecraft in his reality. This Electro saw a huge potential in the interdimensional technology that Electro 449 brought to him, and so they set to work. Gathering more Electros together and putting Otto Octaviuses to work doing admin and research, they began assembling an army. Electro 449 soon found himself another cog in a larger machine, where he did grunt work poorly and even found himself under review from the Electro's HR. 449 found himself disgruntled with his lowly position doing guard work for Gwen, with whom he was relating all of this information. Mayday returns to Loom World calling for the whole team to rescue Gwen, heading into Earth 9105 again to pick up the trail of Gwen's kidnapping. Spider Noir comments that the reason they were stealing silver must be because of its conductive properties. Before long, a new gang of Electros teleports to their location looking to reacquire the silver left behind in the previous fight. The spiders hit fast and hard, so the Electros form up defensively and launch a large coordinated electricity field that pushes the spiders back. Using the pig-in-a-blanket strategy, Spider India webs up Ham to insulate him against the field and hurls him at the circle of Electros. Ham breaks through, granting the other spiders an opening back in to attack the villain. The UK threatens to take the silver, which panics the Electros into an early retreat. Back on Earth 1082, Gwen builds up a rapport with the disgruntled Electro 449 and it doesn't take long for them to form a plan to break Gwen out and escape. He takes her directly to the seat of Electro 1082's power on a moon base where Gwen knocks him out the first chance that she gets. She finds her target but instead of the suit and tie CEO Electro that she was expecting, she is confronted by the monstrous energy Electro. On Loomworld, Anya expresses concern about Khan's need to feast on the life force of spider totems. He emphasizes his commitment to the team and the web of life and destiny, and that he does not currently hunger, but does maintain that at some point in the future, he may find himself consumed by the need to feast. Their conversation is interrupted by a team of Electros landing directly in the main chamber, seeking to kill all of the spiders they can find. Anya hides before she can be spotted and calls the rest of the team for help, while Karn defiantly argues with the invaders. Much to their dismay, the web warriors find that they cannot portal in due to the disruption caused by the various electromagnetic signatures of the Electros all in the chamber. Spider India can resync their web watches up, but it will take a few minutes. 
As the electrodes get increasingly more hostile to Khan, Anya's hand is forced and she reveals herself. The duo is standing off against their foes outnumbered until the rest of the web warriors are finally able to portal in. Meanwhile, the formerly CEO Electro explains how he became so powerful. Using Kree technology that brought the supreme intelligence to be, they created a new life form using Electro 1082 as the foundational personality. They assimilated one in every ten of the Electros into the hive mind until it formed the battery. Sick of listening to the self-congratulatory supervillain monologue, Gwen attempts to punch it out, only to find this effort futile. The battery only laughs, but Gwen resorts to breaking the window of the chamber, exposing it to the conditions of the moon's surface outside. With the unconscious Electro 449 in tow, the resulting disruption lets Gwen fight her way through the facility. 449 eventually wakes up furious at Gwen for punching him out, but is still forced to fight with her, as he has no way of explaining his actions to his counterparts. On Loom World, the web warriors fight a growing invasion force of Electros. The attackers force the spiders to retreat and Karn is badly electrocuted in the process. They escape to Earth 803, home of the steampunk Lady Spider. Gwen and Electro 449 head to Mayday's home on Earth 982 to look for help from her family there. Electro attempts to double-cross Gwen by threatening Uncle Ben, only to find himself unconscious again, unaware that Ben had spider powers. Lady Spider brings the battered Web Warriors team into her home, where she builds a rapport with Spider UK over their shared experience of having lonely existences. Karn's injuries leave him hungering once more, much to Anya's continued concern. Spider UK rallies the team as they begin to look at what technology they can use to regain control of the situation. They decide to go recruit the help of the Black Cat, local to this reality, due to her past involvement with the Electros. They find that she did not have much contact with them, but was paid with a unique bauble that the spiders take with them to see if it can lead them to the Electros. Gwen, now with the spider-powered Uncle Ben helping, heads out to try and disrupt the Electros' operation, starting with the Otto Octaviuses that they have pressed into service. Gwen attempts to appeal to them with rousing liberation rhetoric, but finds that this has little effect. They soon mob the two spiders. Before they could be overwhelmed, a single octopus... Octavia Otto provides an escape route for Gwen and Ben. Unlike the other octopi, she was a former young Avenger in her reality, and was keen to assist the two heroes. The three sneak out of the facility, Gwen stopping to look at the different technology that they might be able to use. On Earth 803, Spider India has had success using the local mechanical technology to repair their ways to communicate and travel across the multiverse. This enables them to re-establish contact with Gwen, who informs them of the technology she found, a teleconsciousness rig that can help them take out the battery altogether by wiping its mind. They agree to draw the Electros to Earth 803 where they can fight them out in the open. Thus, Spider UK sends out a taunting broadcast which brings them out in droves. Despite Lady Spider's protests at doing this on her Earth and in her city, the team creates a plan to use a web-based Faraday cage to imprison all of the Electros in the public park there. While those web warriors engage in all-out fighting, Gwen, Ben, and Octavia head to the battery's seat of power to fight it at the source. Before Octavia can get as far as using the rig, Electro 449 reappears and electrocutes her in a surprise attack. In the process, he compromises his spacesuit and incapacitates himself, however. The battery gloats at their apparent failure, but Gwen refuses to cede the fight and teleports the team and the supervillain together directly to the fight on Earth 803. While some of the web warriors make steady progress in building the Faraday cage around the battle using their webbing, the ones inside see the need to tactically retreat before they are trapped alongside the Electros. 
However, Khan is too weak after his injuries and long fast from feasting on spider totems. Spider UK offers some of his own life force to give him a boost out of there. This lets Karn escape, but UK is too weak to swing out. Once on the outside of the now-closing Faraday cage, the team realized this and made a heads back inside to assist. The Electros catch on to their plan at this point and make a scramble for the last small exit, forcing Anya to make the call for the spiders to close the cage around them. Spider UK and Spider Woman are trapped inside. Gwen is deeply displeased with the decision to essentially lock up their allies to die, but Anya argues that their deaths were not in vain, with the Electros defeated and caged now. Back on Loomworld, the team regroups and rallies themselves, with Anya in the lead now, Octavia Otto working with them, the Web of Life and Destiny severely damaged, and minus their two friends. The Web Warriors live to fight another day. And this has been Web Warriors Electroverse. Yeah, it has. It has. It's been. It's, it's, this is a good book. I like this book. This is a. This is a fun book. It sort of feels like a like a proper sequel to the Spider Verse comic. Like it's using that supporting cast. It's using Loom World. It's using all of the sort of different things, like the tropes and things they were setting up there, were all all sort of map onto here, which is fun. I like it. It's, it's good. Even the electros are taking a direct cut and paste page from the concept of Spider-Verse. Yeah, they are as well. Yeah, like they're doing the whole uh, Spider-Verse, but it's Electro's, you know, Electroverse. You know, that hence the name of the arc, right? Um, yeah, so they, they're doing, but they're obviously they're evil about it. So they're a nice like enemy. Like they, they, they obviously they're a threat and you can do fun visual things with them. But yeah, like they, they, there's this sort of war here basically going on between the web warriors and uh, and the electros like the sort of extended series of skirmishes that they um they have with each other as they try and maintain uh, well fight for dominance rather over the web of life and destiny and even though that this is kind of considered a team book it's still kind of clear that gwen's the star of the show here since she gets the most amount of panel time yeah gwen gwen's getting the most play which is which is sort of a surprise really because um because she's the only one with a book out of this team. Like at the moment, Spider Gwen by Latour and Rodriguez is is like you know it's ongoing at the moment, um, and and yet Gwen you know easily has the most panel time. She's the one who gets split off on her own to go have a solo adventure, um, and uh, yeah, like uh, she she gets the most characterizations, and and uh, you sort of you like when there's people like Anya Corazon in this who who ha- haven't had a who hasn't had a comic in so long, um, you sort of feel a little bit bad for them. Like, until Anya started showing up in Black Widow that she became relevant again. Yeah, she's struggled to get like good appearances. Um, but yeah, uh, there's there's a lot of uh, different characterizations going on for a lot of different characters, um, and it's very it's a very it feels like a very dense book. Where worries um, they sort of they try and fill a lot in. And I even put here like it's very noticeable that this characterization of Gwen, how Costa wrote her, a bit perkier than what Latour had. Yeah, like she's still Spider Gwen, like she's still like kind of like anti-authority and she you know she does that like liberation she's still very punk right um and she's that whole speech and uh and been such but she's she's definitely she's more upbeat um the angst that we see very present in like edge of spider verse number two and the spider gwen miniseries and the spider gwen ongoing all of that from latour rodriguez that doesn't feel here gwen's very free of that she's sort of just doing her own thing she's hanging out when mayday's like are you worried about this whole web warriors thing she's like wait you're worried like like it hadn't even crossed her mind so yeah like she's you know she's more upbeat 
But I think my favorite part of her upbeatness is when she was trying to free all of the Otto Octaviuses by giving that freedom speech where she's like, freedom! Like, I essentially got from her, like, a your savior is here! What's that from? That's what Loki said in Ragnarok. Oh, right, of course, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you sort of, yeah, you have that vibe where she's turning up to, like, liberate people who don't really want to be liberated um <laughs> by her anyway um because once she yells out freedom they're like spiders charge yeah it's very much like uh yeah it's 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 a funny sort of subversion because you sort of half expect her to then like lead an army of dr octopi against um the electros but then it just doesn't happen um and and uh it's sort of yeah like they end up having to run away um which which is yeah is is, is is i really like that moment it's probably one of my favorite moments but yeah, i kind of find it uncharacteristic of gwen to be like your savior is here it's very it's very tacky it's uh, like web warriors isn't like the comic isn't taking itself very seriously like it's 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 very aware that like it's very bright it's very like corny but it sort of embraces the camp you know um, and I think part and parcel of that is these sort of little dialogue moments that, you know, like don't feel necessarily realistic to how these characters normally talk to each other. But I do think fit the genre of what they're going for with this book. I think the most of the campiness, we kind of all got that from the beginning when they were fighting in the 60s cartoon. Yeah, like and, and they'll do stuff like that. They'll they'll go like it means that they can go to somewhere like like the 60s cartoon and it sort of still kind of fits with the book. Like it fit like because they're able to react to it and be like, hey, this is mad. This is insane. Did you catch Gwen say I hate lizards when she was confronting the lizard? Wait, what really? Yeah, in that panel, like when uh, the lizard was surprised at seeing like spider women, she's like, "I hate lizards," and then gets punched. Bright lights. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. Oh yeah, of course, because she has such a hard time with with her own reality. Yeah, that makes poor Gwen. And yet she's still upbeat about it. Like you'd think that she'd still be traumatized after accidentally killing Peter, but then to be like, "I hate lizards." Yeah, like yeah, there's there's no bits where you think like Gwen's about to like like Gwen feels like she's about to break half the time in the Latour and like she she's on the verge of like just like quitting superheroing altogether, but but here in, in this book she's very much more sort of yeah, she's quipping more and uh and she's 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 smiling more, which is kinda nice. Even if it doesn't necessarily make sense continuity wise, uh, with what she is going through on Earth sixty five. Uh, but yeah, like that is that is the vibe here um and uh, yeah like she gets to do quite a bit like she forms that little that little scene with uh, uncle ben and octavia otto yeah i liked how she uh, formed her own little ragtag team composed of herself octavia and ben it's kind of like the team within a team yeah yeah she gets her own little subdivision there for a bit in the comic and and they only actually like join up in like the very last battle there so it's like she's sort of off on her own with her own people until like the fifth issue of this arc after initially getting split off like an issue is it issue one that she gets kidnapped the end of issue one beginning of issue two yeah yeah so she she essentially gets the full b plot for like a, for the whole comic right like she's got the b plot which is quite fun um and, and i like that little that little that little group but I'm not sure if you wanted to count Electro 449 as the unofficial fourth member. He's more like the begrudging member that you keep on just because uh, he's necessary to the mission. 
Yeah, he's he's a really like odd character, like the Spider Moon Man's Electro. Like he's yeah, he doesn't want to be there. I think I think he's sort of compelled by circumstance to to be working for Gwen and that like he wouldn't want to do it otherwise and the moment he gets an out he takes it really doesn't he he he, uh, he turns on them yeah but before repeatedly getting taken out by Gwen and the other spiders many many times you know I like their little banter with each other yeah I, I think there was a lot of humor in the fact that essentially Electro 449 was the initial Electro to begin the work on the Electroverse, and then to be completely incompetent for the rest of the narrative is, is, is quite funny. And he's clearly frustrated with this. Like, he's he's not as smart or as powerful as any of the other Electros, and he's also uh, completely ineffective against the heroes. Like, he fries his own suit at one point while he's in space and, and messes it up so that he can't like literally let like so it decompresses right like it messes it up and and yeah he's just he's just incompetent all around and they draw attention from that with the fact that you know he discovered all of this he started all of this and i think it's quite funny to which he relays this all to gwen and then she's like why are you telling me this yeah uh, she does use it though um like she uses that like his his disgruntledness with all of this um after a certain point she sort of clicks on that he's he's quite exploitable um and it's just as well that he was assigned guard duty and not like somebody who knew what they were doing or at least like like if they had just assigned two electros i think they think she would have had a harder time but um yeah he he was he was quite suggestible in the end there and yeah electro 449 he's pretty much gone by the end right yeah but remember um when she was trying to build up rapport with him and then he was also trying to build up rapport with her uh, he said that why don't they try to m- make like Bonnie and Clyde and take on the CEO and then Gwen corrected him by saying that Bonnie and Clyde were a couple. Yeah, he he was th- he definitely felt like he was more invested in their little like plan and like he he had more to lose I guess than Gwen did. Um, and he's like drawing this Bonnie and Clyde analogy and Gwen's pulling him back on it and then and then when it actually does come to it like Gwen just is the one to betray him like she was the more ruthless one in the end out of the two in that little dynamic, which I thought was like she was the initial betrayer out of the two like so it's not yeah. I, I thought that was quite interesting. Like, she doesn't pull up punches with him. Yeah, it's sort of a, a back and forth betrayal or rivalry, you know, just like with uh, in the MCU, Hawkeye and Quicksilver's rivalry with the you didn't see that coming. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite funny actually how they, they just they keep betraying each other but have to keep sort of sticking with each other. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, sort of Gwen's nature. Like, in the end, the only person she's looking out for, well, early on in her run is herself yeah i guess um yeah I, I mean a lot of the characterizations and and you know like we've already mentioned this i guess but like just they don't they, they don't really it's hard to map on like the angstier sort of arcs that gwen's going through in in her run that 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 was being published at the same time as this uh with the sort of the more beat nature of it but yeah i think the sort of the the willingness to sort of backstab Electro there was sort of one of the darker moments which sort of came through, which I thought was... I, I mean, I wouldn't have expected that from any of the other spiders that we have on that team. Maybe Spider-Noir, but but yeah, definitely from Gwen. But when she's not looking out for herself, I do like the banter that she has with the other spiders. More recently, she's striking up a uh, friendship with Mayday. Yeah, I think Mayday and Gwen get pitted against each other a lot as, like, as sort of female spiders from an alternate reality like i see on twitter a lot of people are like the reason we don't get mayday comics is because of gwen and stuff um 
it's nice to see them interacting here in a sort of wholesome way and like working together and stuff because they do have a lot of um like they have a similar sort of set of circumstances not just at an editorial level i suppose but like actually in the comic so well something they have in common they both lost their peter parker Oof. yeah uh yeah i guess that's a it's pretty pretty fresh for me day at this point um yeah um obviously that's a different dynamic for the two of them there um but yeah you're right yeah, since uh, Mayday's asking Gwen if she finds all of this weird, and then she's like, "Nah, just a regular Thursday for me." Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, I, I think um, I think Gwen is more used to the idea of the multiverse than Mayday is, even though they haven't necessarily had more or less exposure than either of them. But I I think Mayday is slightly older, right? Like Gwen's come into this. Uh, uh, Gwen's college age, and I and Mayday mentioned that she's still in high school. Oh, right. Mayday's younger. Yeah. Oh right. I mean I mean obviously she's she's had a lot more comics, at least at this point, than Gwen has. Um maybe it's like a career thing, like she spent more of her career outside of the multiverse than what Gwen has. Oh yeah. Yeah, it could be uh yeah, it could be put that way because well, technically Mayday was introduced first. Yeah, like M C two didn't cr- doesn't cross over into like the multiverse in the same way that like Gwen's comics, right? No, because um well, technically, both MC2 and Earth-65, they've been relegated to their own stories, but um, MC2 didn't bleed as much into Earth-616 except for the occasional visit. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's... Um, so that's that's sort of... I think I think maybe, like, as a reader, if you've read all of the Mayday comics to this point and you've read all of the Gwen comics to this point, Mayday's going to feel... Even though she may not be older, even though she may not necessarily have even have done more spidering, but... It does seem like for her the like because Gwen is introduced in a multiverse event where Mayday isn't, and Mayday's a pre-established character. That Mayday is approaching it from that angle, you know, the way the reader looks at it is somebody who's new to the multiverse, but is is you know like got an, a pre-established point before that. And, and Gwen's Gwen's coming at it, you know, it's like you know this is normal for me. All my comics are set in the multiverse, even though like that's not necessarily true for them um, individually within the realm of the comic. And you'd also think that with uh, Gwen's somewhat expertise in the multiverse you'd think that she'd be the next plausible person to lead the team or at least become a leader i think anya corazon is definitely gunning for that position like it seems to be something she's actively thinking about gwen i think if she was a leader which you know obviously i think like she she's you know like she's displaying a lot of skills for i guess with her little sort of break-off team I think it would be more sort of a situation circumstance. I don't think Gwen would want the responsibility of that. She's not really cut out for that in the same way that like other spiders are. Probably not at this time because just a three to four person team, if you wanted to count Electro, like that's pretty intimate enough for her to lead. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Gwen's happy to like take charge of a situation and really apply herself to it. But I think the long term responsibility of having to sort of look out for people, I don't think it's really her vibe particularly. She likes the sort of she. Well, I guess she tends to retreat to m- more solo options if she can um, when she makes bigger decisions, uh, which which she sort of does over the course of her comics at multiple points. She'll she'll go off and she'll do something which requires her to do it on her own. Um, Because I think she tends to feel like maybe she burdens people when she does stick around. Like you can look at, uh, you know, her decision to go to prison in the Latora, and you can look at um, her decision to 
um, stay on her own Earth in Maguire's run, and then to leave once her own Earth became too hot for Earth six one six. Like she's 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 taking a lot of options where she can restrict herself from other people. So like on a, as a long term basis, I think she would struggle with the leadership position yeah because i think the last time we only just relegated her position just to be the moral compass of the team yeah yeah i think i think uh she's got a good mind for that sort of thing like she's she's really keen to pick up on like when something's unfair and yeah like and also like just leadership as a whole doesn't really fit the vibe of the spider-man comics like i think if if there's more of a punk vibe if there's more of a um, that sort of a leaning then like having set leaders doesn't always vibe with that in the same way it doesn't always like you don't necessarily want that to be like a singular role that one person has mm-hmm. um in in the same way that like sort of the loom world spiders tend to tend to have like in the spider-verse comics initially and then into the web warriors it's not always something they the spider-man comics go for they don't have a, a high opinion of leaders i guess yeah but I think that's probably all we have to say about Gwen. But since we're talking about leaders, let's move on to UK. Oh, no, not the UK. <laughs> not not the UK. Well, Billy Braddock, not, not the actual country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, yeah. So they, they have a British Spider-Man. And sometimes the dialogue they give him is like, as a British person from Britain, British um uh, you know, I, 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 I get all of the references they're making. Um, and all of the corny dialogue, and some of it's like spot on. Some of it's like, yes, that's definitely a British thing to say. And then sometimes it's like, it's very corny. Like there's this one bit where he references the charge of the Light Brigade, and I thought that's too far. That's, that's too much. No, nobody in Britain would know to reference the charge of the Light Brigade. What about all of these other battle formation names that he made up, like um Waterloo or um Matilda? I didn't get Matilda. That might just be me. Um, I didn't get Matilda. Waterloo's a reference to when they defeated Napoleon, uh, when when the British and several other European nations defeated Napoleon. That was a win for Britain. Charge of the Light Brigade is a reference to a time when a bunch of cavalry charged a, a valley and we were absolutely battered uh, by the cannons there. It went very badly for them. What about the go-home option, Queen Country? I think that's just a, that's just a reference to the fact that Britain has a queen. Um yeah, it's just uh, I think there's a uh, that that one's a bit more straightforward. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it's okay, I guess. I just, I mean, I, I mean, have you seen Britain? Have you seen the things Britain has done and is doing? And and like, is that? I just, I, I wonder if that's the kind of, I, I guess, I, I haven't read any Captain Britain comics, so I, I can't really speak to like that side of Billy Braddock's character, but just. Just like even in Britain, going around wearing a Union Jack is extremely cringe. It is extremely like it, nobody, no, no, no serious person looks the Union Jack and thinks that's something I want to wear around me. Like, like we know, right? Like most people, most people know, right? Like it's not great. Um, it's not like the U.S. where everybody's like American flags everywhere. It's not like that at all. So when when I see like the equivalent of Captain America doing the same thing with with like a Union Jack, I'm just I just sigh internally. And I like the character of Billy Braddock. I like that he has this very tragic sort of his world was lost, so he wants to protect all the other worlds. 
I like the fact that he's really keen on training and stuff and it's and it's because he takes his job as a leader really seriously but also like I love all of that aspect of him but I, I really I cannot take this character seriously because he's going around wearing a union jack on his spider outfit I just it's just really funny to me but what about your um, opinion on Captain Carter she also has um she's parading around with the union jack yeah but she's got the decency not to call herself Captain Britain as well like she, she doesn't she doesn't go that far which you know more power to her um but but yeah again the same thing going around wearing a union jack is is not like great in my opinion like just just flags in general are not great but like the union jack especially just just not not a great move um like i like spider india's design because it's influenced by like actual like indian like clothing choices combined with the like the spider outfit um that you'd expect from like like you know like 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 the cultural references but spider uk doesn't have that it's literally just a union jack worked into the outfit of like it's not there's nothing distinctly british about it other than the fact that it's it's the logo right like so it's <laughs> right like, like the, the the level of thought is much not great like let's say hypothetically you were put in charge of redesigning spider uk if they revive him what would you do to change his outfit haven't moved to france no um uh i what i did to change spider uk's outfit uh i don't i don't know i don't know um that's a really good question what what distinctly british looks are there that you you could you could put him in um that's a really good question i'm trying to think of what clothes we have here in britain that you wouldn't find in like like america or someplace that you could you could put on a spider outfit feasibly but would you downscale the union jack to not be as large yeah, I mean, I guess you could keep the color scheme, but I, yeah, I, I, I just, I don't, yeah, I, I'd get rid of the Union Jack. I'd find a way around it. Like, on, honestly, like he doesn't need to be a Spider UK. He could just be Billy Braddock Spider Man. You know, he could, he can just be that. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't need to be Spider UK. He has enough interesting things about his character that the fact that he's British doesn't need to be his defining quality or like the defining thing behind half of his dialogue. Like, I think he's, I think Billy Braddock is a pretty compelling character in of himself um and and that's you know like good and fine and yeah i just uh yeah one of those things i guess but it's really really sad about how he he only keeps the team around because he's lonely yeah like that is that is a i love that as a as a pathos for a character i right? like the idea that that he's just he's like okay we really need to train guys and everybody's like hey, you know i'm kind of busy right now and he's like no, no no we really need to do some tactics and strategies right now and he just needs friends like that just i, I think that's a really like like it, it makes it so he's not two-dimensional like every time he has a leadership moment it's not just like a tacky they've just put the british guy in charge because he's british they've like there's a sort of there's a depth to it like he's he's tragic he's got this tragic backstory of having lost everything and he just wants to bring that back by helping everybody else i like that that's a really fun pathos for a character it's unique for a spider character as well like you don't have many or any spider people who who have lost everything and like just want to save everybody else for the sake of it like it's usually it's usually a great power great responsibility thing which is i think is good and very very good and i don't mind it when they do that over and over again it's fine but in terms of distinguishing spider uk from the rest of the web warriors here that that gives him a really strong characterization that i really really like i i, I love that about all of his his little leadership moments behind that there's this tragedy that is driving him forward that makes him sacrifice everything um yeah which he does in the end like he gives up his life to save khan at the end which i thought was like 
yeah, brilliant sort of moment there. Um, I, I love that Khan has to feed. I think that's a really like fun <laughs> suspense that they add, um, and the fact that, that that UK is willing to offer up his life force to do that is um, really interesting. Isn't that like usually a vampire thing? Even though he, well, Karn's a cosmic vampire anyway. Like a uh, vampires, they can actually like go for a while without blood, but a significant amount of time they're gonna go insane. Yeah, like I think I think they're using that. Like they're using that vampire trope of like the good vampire, but the feet the need to feed is still there. And um and yeah, they do that with Khan and. And, and like he's he's like very clear about it. He's like you know. So I fed a lot. I don't really need to feed particularly much anyway. But having that is a problem there. And the fact that he he just hint at the fact he could lose control. Like he could just absolutely need to feed so much that it would consume his his ability to control himself. Um, and I thought that was interesting. But they don't they don't go that far with it. They just make it so that he gets so weak in the battle. Um, but I would have been interested if, if they did something like that, if they had like Khan versus the spiders issue or something, I think that would be interesting, but they didn't do that. No, only just because, um, um, overall Karn is usually seen as the guy in the chair or more accurately, the guy in the robot spider legs in the web. Yeah, he is. I, I, I do think that, um, he, he's a fairly well-rounded character. Like he's got, I think overall, but. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have a huge amount of moments to like really get characterized outside of the feeding thing in this arc. I guess. Um, I think. I think they're sort of they're riding a lot of um, his decisions and and stuff that that he made back in like the main Spider Verse comic, where he's like he's just taken up this mantle, I guess, for himself. I think it's because you know, um, because back then in Spider Verse, you know, Karn was trying to get his family's approval back, but then when he realized that they were wrong, he that's why he switched teams. Yeah, I think I think they have that in mind. Like they they have in mind the fact that like he's just had an arc, whereas like most of the other characters here are still fairly, uh, fairly in need of one themselves. So, so that's the it's the prioritize the prioritize them over him. Like they give him his little thing about feeding, and then and then move on. And that also kind of makes him lonely too. Yeah, it does. I think the spiders who are stuck on Loom World, um, like Anya, Khan, and and Billy. I guess Anya's chosen to be that, but for all of them, I think there's a different kind of urgency, like different, like there's differing levels of investment in the Web Warriors from different heroes on the team, and they draw a lot of tension from that. Like Noir and Gwen don't necessarily need to be there they like working on their own mayday is thinking about her own earth ham is thinking about the fact that he just kind of wants to make friends with the team out and also the fact he likes food um and, and he wants to be included in the lunch things and spider india he's mostly just seen like i think 90 percent of the time he's just seen tinkering on the uh, team's devices yeah i he, they sort of show him as being very i guess hyper focused on the tech like they 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 to the point where he misses emotional cues from other characters um and i i don't know if yeah i, I don't know like because noir had to spell it out for india that um that billy was lonely that's why they had to do all that training just because he's lonely yeah i i uh, yeah i don't know they, they sort of they have spider india i think is sort of this sort of stereotypical team scientist type that's the sort of role he's in and it means that he's like he doesn't carry well in terms of his as a team player in terms of picking up on the emotional cues of his teammates in the way that the other characters do perhaps 
Uh, and I don't know if that's always the fairest characterizations for Spider India, but that is the one they go with. And yeah, but I, I think like because the because the web warriors they all have the heart in the right place. They all want to do the right thing. But the tension they draw from in in the team that they're trying to build here and trying to convey to is the tension between the characters comes from the differing levels of investment that we see um, from them. And and I think that's quite interesting. Like the idea that that sort of some of them want to make it work more than others, I think is is quite cool. And I think you you can have a lot of arguments and intense into interchanges and 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 nice team moments when people have realizations and such um, and good friendship moments, drawing from the tension of characters having different levels of investment in the team. And wasn't it nice when um, Billy was using uh, his loneliness to uh, connect with a lady spider who's also lonely? Yeah, I saw that. Like Lady Spider's lonely by virtue of the fact that like she's a successful woman in a very misogynistic society like it oh, like like to the nth degree like um and isn't she another brit too i think they're, they're kind of strange about it. like they're, they're like this is london but it's also new york like they don't really clarify i was always under the impression that like i think they do say england and i remember in spider gwen ghost spider number four when they talk about burying billy they bur- they're burying they're burying him in like the wrong england they mention it or something like that to that, to that effect because uh, he gets he gets buried in Lady Spider's estate in that. Because uh, remember that um this version of Lady Spider is supposed to be Earth eight hundred three's May Park Aunt May Parker. Yeah, I'm like a much younger one. Right, that makes sense. I I just I I got the impression that like she's very posh. If she isn't English, she's still like pretty posh, right? Like she's still she's still quite high class, and it's in sort of like steampunk Victorian type vibes. So. There is that sort of aesthetic anyway. But yeah, like I, I read her with an English accent. I don't know what that says, um, but yeah, in my head. But when you notice, uh, like if Lady Spider gets angry, like she'll have no problem in letting it show. Remember when Billy let her in on the plan to lure everyone to uh, Earth 803's battery park? She's like, you ass, why are you letting all of this come to my Earth, my city? Yeah, I, I think like uh, by virtue of the kind of society she's raised in, she has a very sort of instinctive um, sense for other people are deciding for me, and and that comes through in that in those moments, like when they were like, "Yeah, we're going to bring the apocalypse to your door." Of course, she's going to be upset that she wasn't consulted about it at first, and and yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I I don't think any spider would react kindly to all of the supervillains being brought right to their um, home planet, but it's one of those things, I guess. But yeah, Lady Spiders, I think are really, for one, like a really cool design. And yeah, like I'm glad that they bring the character in here. They have a sort of clearly investing herself in the team, building building in like she's going to be a player later on, right? Yeah. So yeah, I like that. And and they rec- they sort of they they don't necessarily recruit as such because they already have interactions with the Web Warriors and Loom World and such in Spider Verse. Um, they're sort of already in touch, but they do bring in more characters for the Web Warriors over the course of this arc. Because of course you've got Lady Spider, you've got um, Uncle Ben, and uh, even uh, Octavia Otto. Uh, she's brought onto the Web Warriors, essentially. Um, so yeah, like they're sort of. It feels like the team is growing over the course of the arc. Earlier, back to um, UK and uh, Lady Spider. Like, was there a little bit of a uh, romance sparking between them? Yeah, they, they seem closer. Even with that argument that they have, they seem closer than the other spiders do with each other. And I don't know if that's a romance thing or not. But yeah, they're pretty tight. 
they're pretty tight. I'm trying to remember if they do like officially like kiss or anything, but I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Uh, uh, like in the future, because you know, I you gotta keep in mind that this is still, even though this is a much younger version, this is still Aunt May. Yeah, I, I mean, it's Billy Braddock, uh, yeah. who is who isn't related to the Parkers in any way. So I mean, it could happen. It could it could work without any ickiness. I think. Yeah, but um, anyway, um, later he dead. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He is, uh, which she's really upset about. So I think that maybe you know, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's Lady Spider who gets to bury Billy in Spider Gwen Ghost Spider. So yeah, I think yeah. Because mostly wasn't it that um she was the one that allowed him to crash on her Earth because he had nowhere to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's the direction they took it, and yeah, you you have to you have to presume that you know even if it's not romantic, they're still quite close. And and they spent a lot of time with each other, so you know, good for them because they were both lonely, like you say. Um, yeah. Let's move on to Octavia Otto. Yes, yes, very cool. Love, love, love Octavia Otto. A fun character. So I'm thinking, like, um, in her dimension, do you think everyone's actually um, like um, role reversed, gender swapped versions of their prime counterparts? Yeah, no, I love. I, she hints at a serial. She doesn't. She she mentions a serial killer Spider Woman. Have to know more. I need to know more about serial killer Spider Woman. Yeah, whose name is Parker Peters. Parker Peters, and 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 and, and like that could be, yeah, like you know, I, I think that, that sounds really fun to me. Like I love the love that idea. That's uh, it's really love that. That's um. And she's a young Avenger. Yeah, like I wonder what that young Avengers team is like. I wonder what like. Yeah, all their villains are like that's that's that's. I bet I bet Kid Loki's still on it either way. Um, but uh, yeah, like I I think she's a really little fun fun little addition they they throw in there. Is she supposed to be a teenager too, or do you think just early twenties? I got the impression she was a bit older at this point because the Young Avengers aren't that young t- to begin with. Like they're not not all of them are teen teens, so it's not at least after this sort of amount of time. So I could see her being being sort of the similar age to a lot of the web warriors sort of early 20s um but at least she doesn't have the same megalomania that regular arc has yeah i think maybe it's a little bit deterministic to have all of the arcs just be always evil especially because the the the, the doctor octopuses there aren't they aren't necessarily evil like as we've seen from Otto 616 not necessarily making across the board evil decisions right they they you know this is a pretty like even in No Way Home, like Doctor Octopus as a sort of not that evil villain, sometimes an anti-villain, sometimes even an anti-hero, is a pretty well-established thing. So the idea of of having a room full of Doctor Octopi and for all of them to unilaterally reject Gwen, save this one, was a bit of a shame. So I was glad that they had this one in, so that we had a good Doctor Octopus. Um, and yeah, she's really fun. I like I like her as a member of the team and having another science person. And it's a it's a it's a fun sort of cute design that David Baldion's done for her. And yeah, it's nice. Even though she's not a spider, at least what um she has in common with them is that like her motif still has the whole eight legs thing. Yes. Yeah. I I think octopus, like yeah, with all the limbs, so it's, it fits in. It fits in. You know. You're right. But um, when she was describing her plan on how to kill the battery, you know, with the helmet on how to um, wipe its consciousness, you know, Gwen recognized it as a helmet that switches brains. Yeah, they they 
Yeah, that, that, I think that's a lot of setup there. They're gonna they're gonna come back around to that because it doesn't work initially, does it? No, and I even put in the notes here. It's kind of like a superior Spidey esque plan, but one sided because the plan is to erase the battery's mind. Yeah, I, I didn't make that connection, but yeah, you're right. Doctor Octopus is and and messing with people's brains with big headset machines. Name a better combination. Because remember when um. When Octavia was pitching her plan, Gwen said that she doesn't want to become a lightning bolt with legs. Yeah, yeah, I, I think, um, yeah, that that was, uh, yeah, that was that was a concern there, wasn't there? Yeah, I think that's the mad science part that all Auto Octaviuses have. It must be, yeah, it must be. But anyway, we we get to see a lot of Octavia later down the line. Like she's pretty prominent in Spider Geddon. Yeah, she becomes a recurring character, and 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 I'm glad they introduced her. It's a shame, really, because I, I I don't remember seeing any more of this character since. So yeah, yeah, a bit of a shame. Yeah, because the only female arc that's of relevance to anyone right now is Liv from Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, and, and doesn't isn't there um an equivalent of her in Six One Six? Carolyn Trainer. Yeah, she's running about at the moment with that team of female super villains yeah the syndicate yeah the syndicate and the they showed up in sinister war and stuff yeah and they redesigned her like um in um, amazing spider-man 2018 number 25 or 26 they redesigned her to look like Liv. uh yeah uh yeah that makes sense yeah they um they wanted to evoke that there i guess um so yeah like there's, there's a couple of couple of female um dr octopuses there um yeah there's a lot of dr octopuses octopi at the moment actually i'm thinking about it there's a lot of them yeah and we're gonna see more of them in the upcoming devil's reign superior 4 miniseries yeah he's getting his own comic in yeah like you say in devil's reign he's he's a big bad in the amazing spider-man comics at the moment he's uh he's in no way home this is this is really a dr octopus golden era if if you like dr octopus you're having a good time of it at the moment You're, you're being well fed a lot of good Dr. Octopi content out there for people to enjoy. And if you really want to see a heroic version of Oc, you can check out Season 2 of Marvel Spider-Man. You, you, I think you have a secret Marvel Spider-Man agenda. I think, I think, I think, you, I think you, you stand this show more, more than you let on, Abigail. <laughs> no, I, I just want to see, I just want to see them resolve, like, because they're still open-ended uh, plot threads that they need to address, so... I hear that. I hear that. But I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, that show is, I'm, it was something. It was something. Um, I understand your pain, though. It's completely, it's valid. It's valid. Well, maybe it's because um, it's also the closest thing to a Spider-Man anime that we'll get because it looks very anime-esque. Yeah, I guess there's that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get a, a spider, spider anime one day. I'm sure they'll do that. And plus, um, it's really fun that in that show, Otto is uh, reimagined as 19 to 20, and he's voiced by uh, Robin of the Teen Titans, Scott Menville. Yeah, I did like Dr. Octopus on that show. That was, that. you're right, that is a good Dr. Octopus. Like, a joke that I was making is that if he formed the Sinister Six, will, would all of the members be voiced by his Teen Titans co-stars? That would be cute. I'd love that. That'd be fun. But alas, it was only the Sinister Five. Yeah, they didn't, didn't, didn't manage it. Strange that. that one, yeah, that show is strange. Even in No Way Home, it's going to be the Sinister Five. Well, as far as we know. As far as we know. Because Michael Keaton did confirm that he's going to be uh, returning. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, I guess I guess we'll uh, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, and plus, there's also the debate whether or not Mysterio is really dead, just because he is the master of illusions. I think I think he's going to stay dead if they want him to stay dead, and he'll come back if they want him to come back. That's what Jake Gyllenhaal's schedule is like more than anything. Anyway, enough about me plathering on about Marvel Spider-Man. No, that's fair. Sorry, yeah. Uh, who's next? Well, one of the main characters from the show, Anya. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, for some reason, I remembered more of her in this than what there is. Like, I went back and I read it and, and for this show and I was like, oh, she's not, she, she doesn't take up as much panel space as I thought she would like Gwen for all of the time that she has like in, in on panel, like she does have her own comic. I, I like, you know, I guess we mentioned this earlier in the show, like I, Anya needs more time, I think to breathe in this. And she doesn't have that. Um, she's still sort of like very, very attached to Billy. Um, she just have a really f- fun moment where she and Khan are like together standing off against all of the electros. That was cool. I like that. Um, but yeah, I think at the end it finally feels like she has a moment to breathe, uh, where she's like, like she has this like minor disagreement with Gwen, where she's like, you know, actually I think they did the right thing, closing up the Faraday cage and everything, um, and and she is now the leader of the Web Warriors and Billy Braddock's absence at the end of this arc, so I like to think that she'll get more room to play in the next arc, but I, I guess we'll see. I, it did, it did feel like she was a bit shortchanged here compared to everybody else. I think mostly because um she seems to be plagued at the thought of um the notion of what would Billy do. Yeah, I think she is. Um, yeah, and again, she's very attached to Billy Braddock, but they haven't really well fleshed that out and explained it in in a meaningful way. I think, unfortunately, and I hope that they get into that more. And like, yeah, I guess they never really did explain why she was so invested in Billy specifically, because he's British. Why would you do that? Um, yeah. But um, I'm thinking, uh, you know, her decision to uh, sacrifice uh, Billy and May just to ensure their escape. Do you think that's something that Billy would do? What, sacrifice people in the Friday cage? Yeah, sacrifice one, or in this case, two, for the good of many. I think the way it was done, yeah, I, th- I think he would have been fine with the decision making there. So obviously, you know, he you know, he was the person being sacrificed here and he was fine with it. So, yeah, um. I think he probably would have done the same because all of those electros getting out would have been bad news. Yeah. Cause I think, you know, the, cause the priority was uh, to uh, save the web. Yeah. Right. So it's, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the electros were in some madness to the multiverse. So I think it was a good move in the end, really. And even though that she, uh, that you mentioned earlier, she does clash with Gwen for that decision. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, like I don't think there was a way around it, really, was there? Uh, Mayday maybe couldn't. Maybe Mayday could have like not jumped in at the end there. Maybe, maybe that was a little bit unnecessary. Like I think one of the other spiders would have gone back to tr- attempt to save them, but in the process get marooned with the two of them also. Yeah, I, I think I think you just have an endless sort of line of people queuing up to get marooned inside the Faraday cage there. I think just minimize it really. Yeah. But in the end, like Anya's rationale was save the web. Yeah, I think she made the right call. Um, yeah, yeah, and now she's the leader of that group. So I guess we'll we'll see how this next arc goes with her. I'm I'm interested to see more of more of her in in this. I think I think she deserves more. What other spiders that we got? Like we got a little bit of noir here. 
Um, yeah, he's got a good... He, he does this thing where he likes to psychoanalyze the team. Um, Costa has this thing where he just, like, plainly and explicitly states different motivations for the team and different characterizations for the team when he needs. Um, and he's, there's a couple of scenes where he does that in this, and I always thought it was really interesting where they have, like, the, the, the character that is most removed from all of the other ones. Like, he's literally from the 30s, and yet he, he's, he's the one that's, like, most emotionally intelligent. Um very strange to me but it makes for some funny interactions in in this well in fairness noir is supposed to be the journalist that that's their job to suss out information psychoanalyze the situation yeah i think they even made him a detective in the recent stuff they did for noir so it's like yeah um yeah like he's he he's good at that sort of role which yeah like you see he's he's got a good head for it and i i think it um yeah, I guess it's not too far removed from from what you might expect from him. But yeah, I think it's I think it's interesting when you have like like the, the most hardened character to to be like the most like this is why this is happening and this is why this person's doing that. Yeah, like he's much more hardened and blunt right now because wasn't he getting ready to shoot Black Cat? Yeah, like he uses guns and and I don't think they really like get into this like enough. Like he is going around there with lethal weaponry. And the rest of that team does not kill. The rest of that team has a no-killing rule. And he's completely fine with it. And they don't really engage with this in a meaningful way. And I think they should. Because it's, it's clear like he is more of like a, like a sort of standard vigilante type character. Yeah. Walking around with revolvers ready to shoot people that don't need to be shot. Like, I think he's like Thomas Wayne Batman. It's like Thomas Wayne Batman. Like You've got this character who clearly... Uh, ideologically and practically speaking differs in a massive way from everybody else around him it should be a source of like really big tension at least but they don't engage with it particularly and i think that's a mistake i think they should talk about noir and his guns at least challenge him on that because yeah it's 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 pretty it's like it's it's jarring whenever he pulls out a revolver and is like yes i am prepared to kill this character and you're like hold on that's completely unnecessary. You know, they want you to know that's something that he's prepared to do, but then they don't really want to go all the way with that and like ask, you know, what would the other spiders have to say about this on a more long-term basis? Like, do they want to work with a killer? Do they want a killer on the team willing to kill when they don't want to kill or kill the person in question? But it's kind of odd that he would be willing to shoot black cat since, you know, she has the same face as his own black cat. Yeah, like sometimes it just doesn't even make sense. Like sometimes it's like, why are you shooting this person who, like, you know in some fashion and isn't an active threat? Like, there is no need to kill anybody who isn't an active hostile threat to people around them. Like, there is no need for that, and uh, it's very uncharacteristic to have that just go unchallenged. I think yeah, the comic. But I did find it very comedic that he and Ham were arguing about um. Because Ham was called a cartoon by Noir and he took offense to that. You know, called him being a racist. Yeah, which was a interesting uh, moment. He, he, this, is the sec- this is the second arc in a row where he's been called a racist. He, he can't really catch a break here with that accusation. Um, yeah. And he also called Ham um, Little Orphan Ham. Yeah, he gives some of these nicknames that did mean. Yeah, he's he's not... He's not a nice guy, Spider-Man Noir. He needs therapy and a lot of time to heal, and he just doesn't get that here. So, because I think the nicest interpretation of Noir is Nick Cage's Spider Noir. Yeah, you know, he's just he's just very, um, I guess he's very just serious. That Noir, he's very like he doesn't 
like he's 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 funny you know this this noir is not he's not funny he's this this is not 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 even accidentally so because you because you, you have a three adaptations of noir to work from in terms of personality you got the comics version you got nick cage's version and then you got milo ventimiglia's version from uh, the ultimate spider-man cartoon yeah yeah i was i'm just yeah yeah the, the noirs they they have a yeah the killing rule is just yeah yeah I, I think it's it's a strange one to throw in there but it randomly but you know everyone on this team was selected because of uh, their special skills so yeah I, I i mean maybe like it sort of feels like they're the spiders who signed on a lot of the time like they would take any spider really if they came up and said they wanted to help. I think that was only because of uh, what happened in war zones. They were the only six who met up with each other. Yeah, like I think I think Costa was given a mandate here and they said, here, you have to have a Web Warriors comic. You have to have this character and this character and this character um, decide who you want for the rest. And, and I think that maybe like Noir and Mayday and Gwen and Anya were all like, ones he picked and the other ones were ones that like he's stuck with um if they're there they're there because he wants them there and yeah i just i don't know that's me guessing but you know it's always fun to see ham involved in some way spider ham is like also another one who is very out there compared to the rest of the team here like he is again he's a cartoon uh he's a talking pig um Maybe his special skill is the cartoon physics. Yeah, he has Looney Tunes invincibility. They do not use this enough. He should be out there, like, on the front line constantly. Remember that he's always complaining about why he's never invited to stuff? Yeah, like, I feel I feel a bit bad for him, because clearly he wants to just vibe with the team a lot more. And the team doesn't really want to vibe with him particularly. I, they could do more with that, I think. Well, he tries to get close with Pavatier. Yeah. I think that's uh, they sort of the, they're the two that get left about on Loom World. Like all the others are off on like adventures all the time, and and him and him and Spider and Jira just sort of they're often left to just chill on Loom World. I think maybe because Spider Indy is so much younger than everybody else, and and um, and Ham is a literal cartoon that maybe they just don't get taken as seriously for the the hardcore stuff. Yeah, I think um, those Looney Tunes physics could have worked to their advantage when facing off against the Electros early on. Yeah, I like that. I, you know, I really liked the pig in a blanket move they did. That was really that was cute and funny and cool, and a good use of of Ham's powers. Isn't that supposed to be um, his version of the fastball special? Yeah, it is. It's a sort of like it's like a spider equivalent, and yeah, I think it really works. I think it's really fun. Yeah, pigs in a blanket. Yeah, oh, those are so good to eat. Yeah, they are. They're, and they're everywhere at the moment with uh, Christmas and stuff. So, yeah, it's a it's sort of time of year appropriate. But he could have also done some other Looney Tunes physics because, um, um, wait, did he uh, grab a mallet out of him one time during this uh, arc? Um, I'm trying to remember now. Do you know which issue? Um, number one. Oh, right. Because I guess that would have provided the basis for like whatever they did in Into the Spider Verse, or um, for some reason, drop anchors on the Electro's heads. Yeah, like why does he not do that? Like I like the cartoon weapons. Like I love that they use that loads in Into the Spider Verse. Like I remember whenever I read comic Spider Ham, I'm like, 
at least the appearances that we see of him like here and in the Spider-Gwen comics and Spider-Verse, like I want to see more of like that kind of fighting he has in Into the Spider-Verse with like random weapons and stuff. But do you read him with John Mulaney's voice in your head? A little bit. He doesn't talk as fast as John Mulaney when I read him in my head. Um, I'll say that. But no, it seems like John Mulaney is the uh, definitive Spider-Ham voice now. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think... Um... Yeah, that was that was a really good voice role for him. Very inspired casting that. Anyway, uh, probably enough of a ham right now because he's pre- yeah he's pretty minor in this arc. Yeah, a little bit about Uncle Ben here. Yeah, he's um he's brought in. Uh, he's like like Gwen is aware of him and that he exists uh, in Mayday's reality, and he use and and he gets used there. Um. He's sort of folded into the main Web Warriors team towards the end here, I guess. And I like him. I think it's a cool design. I think he's a cool Spider-Man. Um, I think it sort of feels a lot like he's trying to make up for the time lost when he was just sort of not being Spider-Man in his reality and it got destroyed. It seems implied that after Ends of the Earth, he just get no, because um, he missed out on Ends of the Earth and um, his world paid for that because he quit after the Emerald Elf killed his family. Right, yeah, and and I think in line with that, more at a narrative level of obviously Uncle Ben isn't present for most Spider people. So now that he is present here, both as Spider Man for the first time for himself in the comic, and also more like, I guess symbolically speaking, back in some fashion after being absent for so long, he sort of feels guilt for not having done more, and and so yeah, like he's sort of he he's quite keen to apply himself, and and I like that. I, I like how. He's there to like look after Benji, and yeah, he just seems like a really nice character. He's a nice character, and I think his archetype in the team is to be the team grandpa. Yeah, yeah, I think he's sort of he's he's probably he's got to be the oldest spider, right, that we have on this team. So yeah, it's um yeah, he's nice, and and also really cool character design. Love love seeing him fight. It's fun. Yeah, it's pretty surprising how even for a man who's I'm thinking 60s or 70s, he's still pretty as active as the younger spiders. Yeah, for sure, for sure. He's uh, yeah. I think I think having like this is a thing that I think a lot of Spider Verse stuff misses is to have like the same sort of like 18 to 35 year old white dude spider, right? Like that's the standard demographic spider and they all have a sort of similar-ish build and stuff. Like Uncle Ben is visibly like older, he's visibly like rounder than like he's not lean and stuff. And I think it's just nice to have like more diverse body types, uh, ages and stuff t- from from the team because they they can do that with a like a Spider-Verse type thing and I think they should do that more. Um, I'm always a little bit disappointed when we get like Spider-Man teams and they're like mostly just Peter Parkers from sort of similar ages, just like one's angsty and one's got six arms. Like I think that's very fairly uninspired. I think Uncle Ben as a Spider Spider-Man is really fun. Um, I think it's really cool sort of type of Spider person to have. And yeah, I'm glad we got him in the Web Warriors comic here. Well, this team doesn't have a Peter Parker other than Noir, but that's a different Peter Parker. Yeah, yeah, like, I think we we have our one Peter Parker, he's allowed on the team, and he's going to be really sad about it, um, that's, that, that's, that's permissible, I'm okay with that, um, he's, yeah, that's fine. Um, let's move on to our, like, our main antagonist here, because there's, there's a lot of different Electros running around here, like, all sorts of different, yeah. 
so many electrodes. They they have a lot of electro designs. Um and yeah, like a lot there's a lot of big splash pages of electrodes and you just see loads of different types. Like um there's one who suspiciously looks like a Jamie Foxx's interpretation. Yeah, they have a yeah, I, I guess I guess I see that, yeah. Well, with the uh, with well, with the suit that he has on, that's why it looks suspiciously yeah. like Jamie Foxx's version. Yeah, with the blue. I like the T Rex electro. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a dinosaur electro, a horse electro. He has a moment with Spider Ham. Um, yeah. Was there an alligator electro somewhere? I think there's yeah, there's so many different types. Like, and it's really like because because the and then what the comic does is it like it gets you to think about what it's like for these very drastically different looking and like completely different, just looking like completely different types of electro working together. Like it forces you to think about that. And that's quite amusing in of itself. Um, but the main villain electro though, I think is really cool. I think the battery is a really cool villain. Um, just just a really fun idea and how he's um considered the ceo of the electroverse i know how fond you are about ceos all ceos should be villains ceos should never be superheroes i'm sorry it's completely unrealistic um and and like here he is like a villain villain and like this idea of like combining the concept of electro with like the supreme intelligence love that that's fun and yeah, like he's a cool character design as well. Like just really scary looking. Um, yeah, no, I like the battery. I think it's a fun villain that we have here. And um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's practically like a souped up Ultimate Electro times 10. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, he's, um, yeah, he's Mike Dillon, right? And and yeah, no, I, I like the battery. Um, and uh, yeah, fun villain. Um, and we'll, I, I, yeah, I guess uh, there's a lot to it. With with the idea that like there's other electros, like he's like like absorbed them, which which is kind of chilling. Like that idea of getting absorbed into an electro, like electro consciousness. Yeah, I think he's just yeah absorbing all of the other electros because um, well the battery is it's comprised of their minds, but Mike is in the driver's seat here. Yeah, I, yeah, you get the impression he's the dominant electro in the battery. Like when he talks about himself, he talks about himself as if he were Mike Dillon still. I guess um you could consider the battery as some sort of a corporate boardroom where like Mike is in the center chair being the CEO and the first one. And then all of the other electros that he absorbed are just other board members. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um yeah no I, I yeah i like the battery i don't know i just, just it's a cool design like there's a lot of really cool designs in this like i think david baldeon am i saying that right yeah i'm sort of probably saying it wrong um anyway really cool artist and and much much better than last arc's artist as well um uh, yeah i really like his lines and and his his art style really fits the sort of more lighter vibe of this comic that costa's bringing to the table here than like what a lot of these like individual characters comics are um and yeah like he just really good fit and he he doesn't like he's a consistent artist as well like panels have consistent levels of detail consistent levels of action you never feel like you're turning the page and going oh the artist really lost steam here he he works right and he works well and he's doing lots of different character designs for this and he's having fun with them and you feel like the creative team here is just having a lot of fun um which i really enjoy yeah, you could tell that uh, Baldion that like he was just having a field day with uh, this arc because you know all of the expressions 
like they're believable and all of the action's pretty much fluid. Absolutely. Like nothing's off-putting. Yeah, yeah, it, it yeah, it all comes together quite well. Like it's a very aesthetically pleasing comic to read even if the story isn't particularly deep. Um yeah, so it it it, it works. And I'm yeah, I I I'm looking forward to getting more from this creative team. Yeah, and one more and one more thing about the battery. Did you think it was kind of on the nose for the battery and the rest of the electros? to a bee lord to battery park yeah it was i think that was quite deliberate right is battery park a real place then yeah it's an actual park in downtown new york See, this is what confuses me about that earth is i can never tell if it's london or new york but yeah um having them all go to battery park and building the faraday cage there really i think it's uh yeah it was it was it was very deliberately on the nose like they wanted the reader to laugh at that yeah, that was way too intentional to be a coincidence bringing the battery to Battery Park. Absolutely, yeah. No, I agree. Is that pretty much it for our thoughts on Electroverse? Yeah, I, th- I think that even sort of includes our final opinions a bit there to the end. Yeah, so should we uh, start giving the spiel for next week? Yes, please. Alright, so for our next episode, we're going to be picking up where we left off from Electroverse. It's direct. It's the arc called Spiders Versus. Kind of sounds a little bit confusing, but that's what it's really called, Spiders Versus. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I'm still not quite sure why they named it that, but but that is, that is what it is. Um, and, yeah. Anyway, it's going to explore the consequences of marooning Billy and May back on Earth 803, but also at the same time, they find that the web of life and destiny has been tangled. So that's going to be a pretty interesting plot to go through. Yeah, they, they spend a lot of the time just of exploring, I guess, like the logistics of what it takes for something like like a team like the Web Warriors to exist and, and like a lot of the stuff they've been using to sort of function and, and any issues that would bring up. So yeah, I, I, I like, this is a good, it's the, it's the concluding arc to the Costa Web Warriors comics. Um, I'm sad it didn't go longer, um, but yeah, we'll we'll be getting into that, and I'm looking forward to it. So it's issues six to eleven. So yeah, pretty good six issues. Then the five issues that we had before. So yeah, as always, you know, we'll put the links in the description of what to buy and where to read it. It's available on Marvel Unlimited, and Spider Gwen Ghost Spiders reading list. We'll also put that up too. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you had any questions about Spiders Versus or any thoughts on the show, you can email us at ghostspidergroupies at gmail.com or you can tweet us at gsgroupies. We also have a coffee page if you want to chuck in a few bucks to help us out with the Podbean subscription. That would be great. Yes, please. For this week, I've been Abigail. And I've been Pax. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.